Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, if you would, please. It's a good spiritual exercise to invite the Holy Spirit to teach us and to be our guide, to open the eyes of our understanding as we study the Word of God. Give us insight, instruction to illuminate our hearts and minds. Acts chapter 2, if you would, please. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 42 and read right on through verse 47. But before we look at that, another verse of Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21 that many are the plans in the heart of a man, but the Lord's purposes prevail. It's the purpose of the Lord that's to prevail. A man can have all kinds of plans of his own in his own heart, things that he would like to do, things he would like to pursue, things he would like to fulfill. But it's the purpose of the Lord that is to prevail in our hearts individually, also in the church collectively as a church body. We don't want man's plans. We want God's plans. We don't want man's purposes. We want God's purposes. Also, we don't want God to fit into our plans. We want to fit into God's plans. We don't want to invite Him to come in and do it our way. We want to hook up with Him and get it done His way. Amen? So keep that thought in mind. Because every person in every church is driven by something. Every person in every church is driven by something. What is it that drives us? Is it our own plans and pursuits or is it the plans and purposes of God? As a church, is it tradition? Or is it the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God? There are many things that can drive a church. We want to be driven by the things of God that He purposes and that He plans for us as a New Testament church. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. If we want to have success, then that's what we have to do. First of all, let me explain some of that. God's will has already been laid out for us in Scripture. There is a general, revealed will of God for every single one of us in Scripture. And if we'll discover what that will of God is, and begin to pursue it and walk in the light of it, then our lives will be pleasing to God. And God will be able to do for us all the things that He said He would do in His Word for our active obedience to His will. But if we ignore what His purposes are and what His plans are and just say, well, I'd rather do it my way and walk in my own plans and purposes, then we cut ourselves off from the full blessings of God. God doesn't want to just bless us a little bit. He wants us fully blessed. He wants us to experience the full blessings of the gospel of Christ. And in order to do so, we have to open up our hearts completely to what His will is. How do I know if I'm in the will of God? Well, first of all, the will of God is that you be saved. Are you saved? If you're saved, then you're in the will of God. If a person's not saved 
that person is not in the will of God. Now, that's a very simple statement, but it's true. Secondly, did you get baptized in water? If you did, then you're in the will of God. And you're following the purpose of God for your life. If you didn't get baptized in water, well, then God wants you to get baptized in water and you should be obedient to do what He wants you to do. That's very plain and very simple. Thirdly, are you filled with the Holy Ghost and power? If you are, then you're walking in the will of God and the purpose of God for your life. If not, then it's very simple. I'm just not walking in the purpose of God. I'm not fulfilling the will of God for my life. Do you belong to a local church? If you belong to a local body of believers, then you're walking in the will of God for your life. And you're more concerned about His plans and purposes than you are your own. You see, you're lining up with the will of God. If you're not, of course, then what you're end ending up doing is saying, I'm going to live my life the way I want to. I'm not going to follow God's plan or purpose for my life. It pleases Him when we say, if that's what you want me to do, then that's what I will do. We go on. Are you supporting the work of God in the earth? Everybody's called to support the work of God in the earth. Why? Because He wants us to advance His kingdom on this earth. If we are, then we're walking, walking in the will of God for our lives. We are fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives if we're doing that. If we're not, then we're not fulfilling what He would have us to do. Are we walking in the realm of love? Divine love. Are we practicing divine love? And are we forgiving one another as He has forgiven us? If we are, then we're following His purpose for our lives. We're fulfilling His will for our lives. If we're not, then we're not walking in the will of God for our lives. It's just that simple. It's that cut and dry because that's His revelation to us. He's already told us that. If we ignore that, then once again, we're going by our own heart's desires and we're completely ignoring His heart's desires for our lives. Then we go on. What about your moral values? Are you living by His standards for moral values in your life? If you are, then you are in the center of His will for your life. But if not, then you're not practicing the will of God for your life and you're not fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. If... You are the leader in your home. If you belong to a family, if you're married and have children, then it's the will of God and the purpose of God that you take the role of leadership within your home, seek the face of God and provide the godly leadership that God wants you to provide to train up your children in the way that they should go by your precept and by your example. If you're doing that, you're following God's purpose. Boy, there's a lot of purpose here, isn't there? There's a lot of will here, isn't there? The will of God for our lives, the purpose of God. Someone says... My life has no meaning. It has no purpose. Oh, yes, it does. I just gave a lot here tonight. Every one of us is valuable in the sight of God. And there is a purpose for all of our lives. Every single one of us. If you're not taking the role of leadership within your home and if you're not training up your children in the way they should go and, and rearing them up in the things of God and nurturing them in the things of God, then it's very simple. You're just not fulfilling the purpose and the will that God has for your life. Are you winning souls? Are you winning souls? Do you share Christ with others? Are you an ambassador for Christ in this life, on this earth? How many of you know that every one of us has been called to witness the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? To tell somebody, I'm born again, washed in the blood, and Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. I've been called to do that. We've all been called to do that. That's not just the job of the preacher. That's for everybody. Everybody's got a testimony. Everyone can tell someone else how they've been washed in the blood of Jesus, how they've been saved and come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Can you imagine if we wrote down all the testimonies of how we all got saved just here at Christian Assembly? We can fill up some books, couldn't we? Well, 
if we're actively telling other people about Jesus and we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, then we're fulfilling the purpose that God has for our lives. If we're not, then we have to work on that, don't we? We're not carrying out the purpose that God has for our lives. Same thing with regard to uh, employment. Are we working to eat? The Bible says he that doesn't work shouldn't what? Shouldn't eat. Are we working to provide a living for ourselves and if there are others for our family members? If we are, then we're fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives. If we're not, then we're not fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives. Are we actively, daily, seeking the Lord through prayer and the study of His Word? If we are, then we're fulfilling the purpose that God has for our lives. If we're not doing that, then it's just very simple. We're just not doing what He would have us to do because He would have us to do it. Amen? To study His Word and pray, seek His face is a part of His purpose for our lives. He purposes that we do so. Well, you can see individually, God has many purposes for our lives. And the list can go on and on and on. There are certain things specifically that God would have us to do. But generally speaking, we have an outline right here in the Word of God of the things that God would have us to do individually to fulfill His purpose for our lives. But I want to look at it from the perspective of the local body, the church. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 beginning at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. Notice, with all the people. And the Lord added. Who added? Who added? And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be recruited from another church. It doesn't say that, does it? Such as should be what? I want to show you how God will direct people into your fold. I want to show us how God will really have the freedom to be able to send people our way as a local church. There are different basic needs that we all have. And God has a purpose for the existence of the local church. Actually, here in these verses of Scripture, we have the fivefold purpose of the New Testament church. And every purpose is important. God wants us to be balanced, and God wants us to fulfill this fivefold purpose for the local church, and He wants these purposes to drive us. He wants us to be driven by these fivefold purposes. What's the first one? Well, fellowship. Notice they continued in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and fellowshipping one with the other. In some cases, they were going from house to house, or they did it together, they got themselves together, and they interacted with one another. Breaking bread means they ate. It wasn't just the Lord's Supper that they celebrated, they ate together. They had a time together of fellowship with each other and shared their hearts with each other, and they began to learn from each other that way. Fellowship is important to a local body of believers because fellowship makes the church environment warm. 
and loving. People realizing that we need to get along with one another, love one another, get to know one another, and interact with each other and be a part of each other's lives as much as we possibly can. Why? Because here, I believe, beloved, is a basic need that we all have. And if that basic need is filled, it opens up a doorway to ministry. It really does. Through fellowship, the doorway to ministry is open. And I want to bring this out because I believe it's absolutely important that in every facet and aspect of ministry here, it is my desired purpose that all of our fellowships promote interaction with others and sharing the love of God. Not necessarily from the pulpit, but from the heart. I'll say from the pulpit of the heart. And it's my desire to fulfill this purpose of God here in this manner. To have specific times of gatherings and fellowships where we instruct those that will be there that our purpose is twofold. To promote interaction one with the other as saints in the same body of believers, but also to provide a non-threatening setting where people can come in and experience the love of God flowing between individuals that genuinely love each other and care about each other. You invite people that are out there that you know in your neighborhood or you have friends in the, in the world or at the workplace or wherever and say, we're going to have a little fellowship. We'd like to invite you to come and be a part of it. And they come into that setting. And in that setting, they experience the love of God. They see a difference. They see people that really care about each other and are concerned about each other. And they talk a different language I don't know if you've been out there long enough, but did you know the world, world talks a different language than what Christians talk? And they look at us and think that we're the crazy ones, but uh, in actuality, no, we just learned a new language because of the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And whether it's a youth fellowship, whether it's adult fellowship, whatever the fellowship may be, it is my desire for us to have our minds renewed to the fact that when we have these particular fellowships, we want to invite the lost. We want to invite friends that we have out there in the world. And we want them to be brought into a setting where they can see the love of God flow. They can hear people talking not about their problems, but about their Savior, about their Redeemer, about the one who carried them through the tough places in life. How when they were challenged in life, they depended upon the Lord and the Lord saw them through. Beloved, it's by the love that people are going to know that we're His disciples. But it's also important to know that we have these basic needs ourselves. Human beings need fellowship. God didn't create us to be alone. We need fellowship. We need interaction. But we want to promote the kind of fellowship that will promote the things of God. Not just to gather together and talk about things that are irrelevant, not, not relevant to the things of God, but, but to share our hearts one with another. In that kind of a setting, beloved, you can minister life to somebody and not even realize it. You sit down and listen to someone talk about how God met their need, how God touched their child's life, 
how God did a miracle over here or a miracle over there. And without realizing it, you are ministering life to that other person. They're listening to what you have to say. Human beings have a need for fellowship. Just getting together and breaking bread. Have you ever found yourself uh, doing something, a project, uh, maybe around the house or something like that, and maybe you invited some friends over, and you're all working hard and working hard and working hard and getting that, getting that job done. Maybe you're putting a new roof on your house or painting your house on the outside. You've got about five guys over. They're helping you, and they're helping you, and you're working hard and working hard. Then, then uh, your wife says, Hey, guys, come on down. i got some sandwiches made. Come down from the roof, and they sit down and just relax a little bit and have a sandwich, a time of fellowship, just to relax a little bit, to enjoy each other, talk to each other. What's going on? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. The Lord did a wonderful thing for us. See, you're up there busy and working and hammering and maybe taking shingles off and all that, and it's busy, you're, you're doing your job. But all of a sudden now, the thing changes. You're interacting with each other. You're fellowshipping with each other. You're sharing your heart with each other. And as you do, you feed each other. There's a basic need that's being met there in that atmosphere of fellowship. And what I'm saying is you'll see that God will add daily to the church such as should be saved when every need is being met and every purpose is being fulfilled. Now, we're not taking these things out of balance and to extremes because we're talking about educating our people in such a way that we realize that when we gather together, we still represent Christ. We're going to have pretty soon, next Wednesday, we're having a fall fellowship dinner. And we want you to invite outsiders. We want you to invite friends, somebody from work, whoever. And when we bring them here to, that, to this place and, and we have fellowship and food and in that setting, in that environment, we don't want them to see a fist fight. Now, do we? No. No, no. We don't want them to hear someone talking about so-and-so. And I'll just stop right there. I won't elaborate on that at all. They don't want to come into an atmosphere where they hear about how horrible life is as a Christian. You've got something that they should want. You've got a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you want to be able to pass that on in this atmosphere of fellowship to these other people and let them know Christians can have a good time, Christians can get together, and they can talk about the things of God at that particular level and just share just what great things God is doing. You know, we're always supposed to have a testimony. We're always supposed to be saying what God is doing for us. If we don't have a testimony, in some cases, people think you're backslidden. You know, that's how the, the, the old-timers were. If you didn't have a, an up-to-date testimony, not way back in 1842, an up-to-date testimony. Hey, I got up this morning. I just began to rejoice in the things of God. I began to worship God and praise God. And before I know it, I got lost in the Spirit and, and the Lord showed me something. And so I prayed about it and I got a result and I got a miracle. from. That's a good testimony. Amen. See, God wants us to have an up-to-date testimony so that we can share our hearts with others. In the fellowships that we promote here at the church, this is our aim, this is our purpose, this is our goal, this is our desire. We want to be able to provide an environment where we can bring people in and they can see people that really have a smile on their face and they're rejoicing in the God of their salvation. 
And they're magnifying the One that saved them by His blood. And they're sharing that from their heart with one another. It promotes the purpose of God. And in that setting, God can say, I can send some people that way. Because they're going to get into an environment where they're going to hear some good things. Secondly, discipleship. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Discipleship. Discipleship will help the church grow deeper. We don't want to be shallow in the things of God. We want to have a depth about us with regard to the things of God. And in order to promote this, this is why I'm teaching these things on Wednesday nights. We are looking forward to the year 2000 when we begin to implement what I'm calling Project 2000, developing discipleship programs at every level where we can be effective in discipling God's people and training them for the work of the ministry. It is time we get off the bottle. It's time to get on the strong meat and begin to grow and develop in the things of God and say, yes, this is where God can use me. And yes, I can get that project done. And yes, I'll take over that particular project. And you see, as we are discipled, and what is a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined follower of our Lord. As we are discipled, we grow deeper in the things of God, and then God can use us in a greater capacity, in a greater way. So we want to develop a discipleship training program that will enable us to train up leaders and workers to do the work of the ministry who are deep in their faith, grounded on the things of God. Classes that will teach the fundamental principles of the doctrines of Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, where we understand the need for repentance from dead works and, and exhibiting a true faith in the living God. Understand the doctrine of baptisms. Plural, more than one baptism. And then the other ministries like laying on of hands and so on. As we teach and train people and disciple them to be disciplined followers of the Lord, what happens is God can take those individuals and develop them in ministries within the local body of believers, which we'll get to in just a moment. But the effect that we'll have on the church body is this. God will look down from above. I want you to notice once again verse 47, the latter part. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Who added to the church? The Lord did. See, the Lord added. Why? Because He saw that they were a people that could get along with one another in unity and harmony and love. Because they were a people that were being discipled and trained to do the work of the ministry to grow and develop in their Christian experience, to be rooted deeply and firmly upon the solid rock, the solid ground. See, and then they can be used to do what? To help others. To bring others in and disciple them. That's how it works. We get discipled so that we can disciple others. It's just like the concept of school. I mean, I'm sure we all went to school. We graduated from school. Some went off to college and got an education. And what are they doing? Some of them are teachers and they're teaching back in the school. Now they're doing the same thing that happened to them when they were growing up. It's the same cycle. We begin to teach and train others and then they begin to invest back in the life of, lives of others and train them in the things of God. So discipleship is also another purpose of the church. Fellowship, discipleship. The purpose that God has for the church so the church can be a healthy church so that the Lord can add daily to the church 
such as should be saved because he sees that what's taking place is what he needs to develop his people. Thirdly, worship. Worship. Our Sunday evening services, as you've seen, are times that we gather together to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Actually, we're calling it Praise and Prayer Night or Prayer and Praise Night. We're coming together Sunday night with a short teaching and then we are going to begin to worship together collectively in unity and harmony so that we can magnify the Lord together. Why? So the church can be stronger. When the church worships together and magnifies the Lord together, there is a strength that is manifested within the hearts and lives of those people. The joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. The joy, Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. As we begin to interact with one another through praise and worship, we draw from each other. And also, we have ascending to the Father, a river of praise and honor. Then descending from the Father into our hearts and lives, we have a river of grace coming into us, which is God's operational power, God's strength deposited into our lives. And then outflowing from us, what do we have? A river of life manifesting to touch the hearts and the lives of the people. Not only here, but as we go from this place, out there into the world, out there into the workplace, everywhere we go, the river of life is flowing out from us. We come back, we gather ourselves together, we worship God in spirit, we worship Him in truth. We allow every expression to, to be manifested. If you like to lift your hands, lift your hands. If you don't, don't. If you want to shout, shout. If you don't want to shout, shout. It doesn't matter if you shout or not. As long as you are from your heart worshiping your God and magnifying Him with all of us together, there is an interaction that takes place within the church, the body of Christ that creates strength and causes it to be a stronger body of believers. And I'll tell you another reason why. is because the enemy can't stand where God is being worshipped. He cannot be where God is being worshipped. He cannot penetrate where God truly is being exalted by the people. When the people are not concerned about what He's doing out there, we're not concerned about His agenda. We're concerned about God's agenda. And when we gather ourselves together and lift up our voice on high to magnify the Lord God, we're just concerned about the glory of the Lord manifesting and the power of God, the presence of God being realized within our midst. And I'll tell you what, if you've done that, you've had church. I said you've had church if you've done that, if you've achieved that. So through worship, the church becomes what? stronger the third purpose of the church that which should drive us and then fourth ministry through the development of ministries within the church the church grows broader and we've seen that realized recently as we have implemented the television ministry we have broadened our horizons haven't we I'll tell you what Saints, I'm walking down the mall just the other day and a fellow stopped me, knocked, just grabbed me and said, don't I watch you on TV? And I had to stop just for a moment. What was this guy talking about? I said, oh yes, that's right. That's right, you get the program. Yes. And then I had a half hour counseling session. See, you broaden your ministry. See, you broaden your ministry. Through through radio or through television, 
you're ministering to others that would not necessarily be here within the four walls of the church. Through the food bank ministry, we have broadened our ministry. Can you see that? See the purpose behind that? Yes, we're supplying a particular need that people have, a basic need that people have. Just like fellowship provides something, the giving of the food out provides something for people that are in need. But we give them more than just food. We give them the Word. We give them life. But we've broadened the ministry by the development of these different ministries within the church. And so we need people that are trained, discipled, that really know God and know how to worship God, that can meet someone at the level of just fellowship and share their heart and the love of God with them, and then thrust them into heads of different ministries, which you can't duplicate yourself. I'll tell you, what, this week I, I really would have, was praying to be three individuals. <laughs> and so was Brother Chuck and some others on staff here, because we had just a whole lot to do this week. It was really one of those exceptionally busy weeks. But thank God for others that are able and qualified and capable because of the power of God in their lives to get the job done. Amen. And so we thank God for that. But you see, we, we need to have more so that ministry, through ministry, the, the church is broader. We can reach out to this area and get a hold of those people. We can reach out into the nursing homes in our area and broaden ministry. We can reach out uh, rehabilitation centers and wherever jail ministry, which we're already doing. But the ministry, developing ministries within a church with people that are qualified helps the ministry to get broadened. And you can do a whole lot more for God. And isn't that what it's all about? We want to reach as many as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to have a burning desire within our hearts to see the lost saved. And that is the essence of ministry itself. We want to get as many as we can. And so that's why we want to do it. And then, number five is evangelism. And through evangelism, we understand that the church grows larger. It gets bigger. The Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. And so we want to touch base with all five of these purposes of God for the New Testament church, the local church, so we can develop each one, and each one would be finely tuned and set in motion the way God would have it to be. Because if we do that, the Lord can look down from heaven and say, yes, I can direct these people to where you're at. I can direct them into to your church because you are providing the fivefold purpose that the church is supposed to provide. I know that when people stop there, they're going to have fellowship. They're going to have discipleship. They're going to have worship. They're going to have ministry opportunities and they are going to have outreach evangelism manifesting so they can get involved in that now beloved think about it evangelism is in really the the, the the main thrust of evangelism involves one-on-one evangelism and if god's people are taught and trained just to get one person if you just get one person into the family of god if every person within the church within the body of believers would get one person saved and bring him into the the family of God, you can double your church. Isn't that true? And the thing is, it's not because you want numbers. We're not into numbers. I've never been into numbers. I'll preach to two as much as I'll preach to 500 without 
any reservations whatsoever. Doesn't matter. We're not into numbers. We're into souls being saved. We're not concerned about membership transfers. We're concerned about transferring them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I have a burning desire to reach our streets, to reach our houses, our highways, and our byways around us with the power of the gospel, the life-changing power of the gospel. And beloved, I believe as we develop these five purposes of the church, we're going to look at each one of these in a greater way, in a, in a way that's going to make it even more clear to, clearer to us. And we're going to see the need for us to, to really just catch up with the things of God, develop into the place that God wants us to be. Not that we're not there doing a lot of these things right now. We are. But how many of you know there's always room for improvement? There is always room for improvement. And I know that God is going to raise up some ministries among us that will enable us to be effective in reaching as many as we possibly can. Beloved, we want to reach our full potential. That's what we want to do. The full potential we want to reach out. And because of the involvement of, of everyone and because of everyone having the same insight and understanding of the the church that is driven by these fivefold purposes of God, I believe will develop into the place that God wants us to be so once again He can add daily to the church such as should be saved. Now, I want to show you something here. In worship, under worship, that involves prayer and all forms of worship, prayer, praise, worshiping God. But going back to, to Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all people. Notice favor with all people you know there are people in our church right now that years ago would never even even consider consider for a moment entering into a pentecostal church you realize that why because people didn't give up that's why People continued, even though they may have been shunned, rejected, laughed at, and everything else, they stayed with what they believed. They continued praying for the people in the lo local and tri-state area, continued looking to God, continued believing God, continued walking in the realm of God's love. And as a result, that opens up the door to ministry and allowed God to be God in touching hearts and changing lives. Beloved, I'm saying it every day of my life. I pray I don't ever miss a day that God's Spirit is the prevailing Spirit over this local and tri-state area. His Spirit is hovering over every house in all the counties represented here as well as out there in, as far as the television ministry is concerned. I see His Spirit sweeping upon young people. I see Him enlightening them. I see Him drawing them unto Himself. I see Him anointing laborers to go out there in the highways and the byways of the life that we live around us. As we go forth, I see Him opening up the eyes of people, making them aware of, enabling them to see their need for salvation, to understand the love of God, and then to come into the sheepfold by the blood of the Lamb. I see Him equipping people with the power of God to go forth to perform signs and wonders and miracles. See, it's well balanced. It's every facet of ministry 
employed and deployed so that we can be effective in our communities so that God can look down upon us and say, yes, I can send them that way because they are driven by the fivefold purpose and they'll be there to see to it that all these needs are being met. And again, I want you to join together with us as we believe God that every facet of ministry will be finely tuned the way God wants it to be. Because, beloved, when people are looking for a place to worship and to fellowship, they want security. They want to know that every facet of their spiritual life is going to be ministered to. And, you know, one person can't do that. I personally cannot teach three times a week and then teach discipleship training classes and play the guitar and go on and, and be effective in all these different facets of ministry by myself, that's an impossibility. But if we can duplicate ourselves and other people by training people and helping them, you know, be raised up and take over certain things, I'll tell you what, they, we can be so effective in carrying out the will of God, the enemy won't know what hit them. And that's what we're looking to do. So we're looking to raise up a team that will understand the purpose of the church and then say, I'm going to take this over. For example, I'm going to take over fellowships. I want to be in charge of the spiritual aspect of fellowships. Collecting people together, maybe having a group of people that will be trained to go out there and mingle among the crowd. Not just to say, well, I'm here just so I can have some turkey or something like that. But I'm here, I am looking for someone who might be new. Oh, how are you? My name is so-and-so. Is this the first time that you're here at the church? Or if we say, who's here for the first time? And hands go up. You're automatically trained and you know exactly what to do. You are going to migrate toward those people, walk up to them and say, hello, my name is so-and-so, and we're so glad that you're here this evening and that you can share this wonderful night with us. It's a blessing to have you among us. We thank God for your life. They're trained to be personable, to be loving, to be kind, to show value and worth to those people, to let them know the love of God is here and it's flowing here gloriously. See, they're trained to do that and they get out there and they do that and it's a, an effect that will touch the hearts and the lives of people and they want that. Everyone wants love, acceptance and fellowship. Everyone wants to be a part of something. And you know, how many of you ever went fishing Raise your hand up high if you ever went fishing without bait. How effective were you without the bait? With no bait, it's not easy to catch fish. Usually. If you prayed about it, it's not fair. Normally, you've got to have bait to catch some fish, right? Well, if he made us fishers of men, bait. What's bait? Gymnasium. I see. I put a, put a big sign of that. Bait. Bait. But you see, it's not fully developed yet because we've got to get people aside. We've got to talk to some leaders. We've got to train them and let them know, yeah, something's going on right now, but we're not satisfied with where we're at. We want to bring them in. We want to come up with all kinds of strategies to bring young people in and let them know that God loves them. God cares about them. We want to train our youth to be fishers of men themselves. Do you see that? 
We want them to go through discipleship training programs so that when we have those events, they're not just concerned about their basketball game. Can I meddle? May I meddle? Oh. Do I want to meddle? Do I want to open up this? Sometimes I just get kind of disappointed, you know. We we get together, play some basketball games, and people get upset and angry and and all that. That's disappointing to me. Somebody better say amen out there. I mean, I just go, that's not what this is about. You know, it's not about whether or not we win the game. We want to be here to be a shining light and an example to illustrate the love of God. That's why we're fellowshipping here. This is different territory, man. This is like Moses Bush on fire. Get your shoes off. You're on holy ground. That's why we're here. Let us be the shining light that men see out there. Whether we have a girls' basketball you know, gathering or a volleyball gathering, it's not just so that we can get some exercise and have volleyball. The thrust behind everything, including the um, aerobics and all that, the whole purpose and design behind that was to be, everybody say that big word again, bait. Bait. See? Get people, invite them to come that don't know Jesus because they want to lose a few pounds. Call bait. Get them in here. Let's develop a program that says, hey, I can help you lose some weight. You see, people call all hours of the day and night if you can tell them how to lose some weight. You're not with me, are you? Bait. I got a program to help you lose weight. Don't eat. Come on. <laughs> Bait. You know, and get them in that environment and just begin to lum on them. Not beat on them. Pound on them. I'm going to whip you tonight. No, that's not the point. Get them in. Love them. Show the love of God. Demonstrate the love of God. Be trained to do so. Look for that new first-time person that's back there for the first time and just say, let me walk you up into the game room over here and just sit down with you in fellowship. Let's maybe uh, play a game of ping pong. Do you mind? Oh, no, no, no. Well, then you know what? We got done and you know you let him win. Of course you let him win. Right? Didn't you? Of course you let him win. Big old smile on his face. He might be thinking I whipped you, but you'll get him after he's born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and rooted and grounded in things of God. Then you say, let's play, boy. <laughs> now you got him. Then you took him down, bought him a Coke or something like that at the snack bar and said, hey, let's talk a little bit. It's been really nice fellowshipping with you and everything. I just want to share, you know, God loves you, man. We're glad you came. Tell your friends about this place and let them know they're welcome to come and participate and have a good time. We'll let them win too the first few times. That's what it's all about. We want to develop every facet of ministry from fellowship all the way through evangelism so that we're using the bait to get a hold of them and bring them in. How about it? Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you 
as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.